May we have your attention, please? Welcome to RSSB's very first podcast. In future, we'll be covering a range of railway-related subjects, but this one, recorded during the COVID-19 lockdown in 2020, is about something that affects us all. It's about our mental health. I'm Ant Davey, one of the content team at RSSB, and I'll be talking with Joanna Faustino. Joanna is our work psychologist at RSSB, and while she has a master's degree in clinical and health psychology and is a chartered member of the British Psychological Society, we'll be talking today in plain, jargon-free language about the feelings that we might be experiencing and some of the coping strategies for the pressures that we're facing during the COVID-19 outbreak and the associated lockdown. So, welcome, Joanna. Thank you, Anne. Thank you very much for having me. Let's start with the effects of a lockdown. How can a lockdown impact people's mental health? So I think the, the first thing to remember, Ant, is that everyone is different and people experience the current situation in diverse ways. What we know in terms of research into the psychological impact of lockdowns is that low mood, insomnia, irritability, stress, anger are quite common under these conditions. But I, I would say one of the biggest things is really the experience of uncertainty regarding how long the lockdown will last, uh, the impact of COVID on our health and, and the health of our loved ones, and uh, the impact of that on our finances as well. And those can be quite big things to manage. Okay. In light of that, what would be a normal reaction to the current situation? There's really no right way to respond to a pandemic. This is, for many of us probably, this is perceived as a threat and therefore some level of distress is to be expected, but that can vary a lot. So we may feel vulnerable, anxious or scared. Some people may feel sad, frustrated. Some might feel powerless. You may worry about losing your job. If you're, for instance, a frontline worker, you may feel anxious because you're still going out to work, potentially interacting with people on platforms, and and that might make you feel particularly worried about spreading the virus to your family. Or you might be working from home and feeling quite guilty for having to work while caring for children. Or even maybe you have been identified as more vulnerable to COVID-19 due to your age or due to your health issues, which, again, can be extremely frightening. Or maybe your biggest anxiety is about being on your own and isolation might be quite a big thing. For some people, this is not particularly distressing. So again, everyone is quite different. Um, What we'd also expect is that people might feel better on some days, worse on other days. And what I would say in general is more than the way we are feeling at the moment, it is really, really important to understand how you are feeling. So acknowledging that our emotions are a response to this situation and understanding and accepting that it is okay to have some or all of the feelings that I have described at this time. So understanding this is is key in being able to manage those feelings and those experiences. Isn't that a bit counterproductive for people to try and accept feelings that may be very distressing? Yeah, I can definitely understand why people might feel like that. And I think we have been told sometimes that trying to get in touch with our feelings might be opening a huge can of worms that we'll not be able to close down. But the idea behind what I said in terms of accepting, acknowledging how you feel is that 
these feelings are normal. So in order for you to manage them, you need to be able to look at the thoughts and behaviors that come with these feelings. So what I mean by this is think about if the way in which you're managing it is helpful or are the strategies you're putting in place becoming an issue? So for example, thinking about checking the news, we all have probably been checking the news with more or less regularity, but try to think about the impact it's having on you. So is it increasing your sense of control? Is it reassuring you? Or on the contrary, is it making you feel more worried? And depending on that, you may realize that limiting the time you spend checking the news might be a lot more helpful. Or if you confirm that your management of news access is right for you, then you're just fine. But this will be quite different from person to person. So we cannot really create a general rule of thumb. And that is why it's so important that you can be accepting of yourself and you can have a look at how you are experiencing things at this time. But worry is an expected reaction to the current situation? Yeah, absolutely. If we look at how much uncertainty the pandemic brings, this is a completely new reality. So some level of worry is to be expected. We don't really know how to manage this. This is not something we're used to. So worrying can be our attempt to problem solve and to control this particular reality, which we might feel that will ultimately keep us safe. At the same time, there are definitely things we cannot control. So one of the issues sometimes with worries is that they intrude on our day-to-day and they can occur at any time and place, which ends up having a negative impact on us and stopping effective problem solving. So the importance of acknowledging and being aware of what we feel and think is that you can then recognize that you're entering, for instance, in a spiral of worrying, and then there are ways to manage it. As a psychologist, one of the strategies I used to suggest people I worked with was to postpone worry. So what that means is that you can allocate yourself a worry time. And then basically what you will do, to put it really simply, is decide at what point during your day and for how long you will allow yourself to worry about a problem. For example, you might decide that you have a daily worry slot at 5 p.m. and that will take 20 minutes. So if you start to worry before that allocated slot, try to make an effort to redirect your thoughts to something else. And then when your allocated time comes, focus on the problem. Write down what is bothering you, think about potential ways to address it, and then when the time is up, make a conscious effort to move on from something else. And the idea really is that learning to postpone and allocate time for worrying can help worries become less intrusive. To a certain extent, you end up being able to control them and balancing the need to problem solve while at the same time not letting the worry take control of your life. And to help you with this, we have put a link to a helpful handout and worksheet on postponing worry in this podcast page, which you can have a look later. So is there anything else people can do to manage their mental well-being in the context of this pandemic? Yeah, of course. One one really good thing I think to keep in mind is that you have probably had to manage difficult situations in the past. So even if they were quite different from this one, think about how you have done it. How have you managed difficult situations? Try to think about some of the things that have helped you and write them down. What, what I find and my experience sometimes working with people is that when we are feeling low, it can be particularly difficult for us to think about 
positive things. So if you do have a prepared list of things that have helped you before, it may come quite handy if you're having a bad day, as you can draw some ideas from that. So one of the other things that people usually find quite beneficial is connecting with others. So this might be, in this particular case, you might not be able to see our friends and family um, or to hug them, so to, to see them face to face, but you can still keep in touch. But for some people, again, going back to the point that everyone is different, for some people, reading a book or doing something creative can be a lot more helpful and that is perfectly fine as well. For example, spending a lot of time at home made me want to redecorate my house. So it's like my project at this point in time for this isolation period. And it, it has been quite good at keeping my mind busy and finding way to manage some of the things that are happening. So some of the strategies you have used in the past may need a bit of adaptation now, but they are still doable. I would say probably most of them. So do you, for instance, love going out to dinner with friends? It might be that at this point in time, it does not really work to do that. But can you try a virtual dinner? That is that is definitely something I've been doing with some friends and it has been really, really good fun. But for instance, if you do attend art classes, can you try an online course? I think, again, I may sound a bit like a, a broken record, but people are in fact all different. So what I find helpful or what your spouse finds helpful or what your manager finds helpful might not necessarily be what will help you. So it's quite important for you to try to draw things that have been helpful in the past for you. Okay. But what about physical health? Aren't physical and mental health related? Yeah, absolutely. I think lots of times we think about our physical health as meaning certain things and our mental health as being completely detached, but you're absolutely right. And they are connected, they are intertwined and they do influence each other. So there's no, we, we sometimes do separate them to focus on one or the other, but they, they do influence each other. So we, we need to take a more um, holistic approach. So one of the, the most important things really is to stay active. Although we may not feel like it when we are feeling low, physical activity can be a great way to improve our mood, our stress, our anxiety. And then with staying active comes also sleep, which is almost the other side of the coin. Again, sometimes when we feel unwell, sleep might be one of the first things where we start to notice issues. Sometimes we might struggle to get to sleep. We might wake up in the middle of the night. If that is the case, then you can have a bit of a look at the NHS resource we will link to this podcast as it has really good suggestions on how you can manage sleep. And then thinking about how new the situation is, keeping a routine can also be quite helpful. If you're working from home, you can try to get ready in the morning, have a shower, dress yourself as you would normally do. I know that for me particularly, it has been quite vital in ensuring some level of normality, bringing something that is not a novelty or a surprise or bringing something that um, I know is quite a constant in my day. And boundaries as well when you're working from home can become quite blurry. So try not to overwork it. It's really important. Try to not mix working with house chores unless you really need to. Putting some boundaries in place will probably help you stay well for longer. And of course, eat as healthy as you can. I cannot emphasize that enough. Our immune system can be quite compromised when we don't eat well, when we don't take good care of ourselves. So to help you with this, a really good tool is the Weed Your Mind plan on the NHS website. We will link that to the podcast as well. But all you need to do is to 
answer a short questionnaire, and it will give you suggestions on how you can manage your well-being as a whole, considering some of the difficulties identified on your questionnaire. So this may be uh, suggestions around how to exercise or suggestions on uh, breathing exercises that might help release some anxiety which is really quite good. And this is quite a a good tool. And then going back to another point, which is to ensure that the amount of news access you have is adequate for you. Try to ensure that you access reputable sources. So for the UK, it would be NHS, Public Health, Health England, World Health Organization. So really try to avoid exposing yourself to unreliable information because that might really increase anxiety and, and stress. Okay, thank you, Joanna. Are there any ways we can get help from other people? Yes, definitely. Uh, Talking to people you trust can be very helpful. So it may be friends, maybe family, might be your colleagues, your line manager, HR, and you might find that you're not alone in your concerns once you talk to them, which can be quite reassuring. If you have mental health advocates or well-being champions in your company, now may also be a great time to reach out to them. So usually they will be trained to a certain degree in mental well-being and they will be able to signpost you and, and support you. If there are particular things at work that you're struggling with, speak to your line manager, ask for resourcing to be discussed, look at flexible working arrangements to ensure that you are given what you need to be able to carry on. For some people, it might be that going out to work might be particularly stressful. So again, raise it with your line manager and try to understand if there are any things that can be put in place to help you manage that. So COVID has created a lot of practical problems for people. And lots of these problems might have practical solutions as well. And sometimes it might be quite helpful to sit down in a more organized way and try to come up with potential solutions. So what you can potentially do is identify a problem. If there's a particular thing you're worried about, you can identify it, basically locate it, understand what it is, and start by writing down ideas that might help you solve it. So list all sorts of ideas, regardless of how realistic they are, all sorts of of ideas that come to your mind, write them down, then try to evaluate them. What are the pros and cons of each option? From zero to 10, how good are they? And then after you do this little exercise, try to select the most promising one. Think about how you would put this solution in place or these solutions in place by breaking them down into small steps. So using the example of balancing work with caring for loved ones, imagine if you have decided that the best solution is to ask your manager for a flexible work arrangement. So you can start by step one, asking your manager for a meeting, and then you can explain how you are feeling and the difficulties you have juggling work and family. You can then discuss options to manage your workload and to potentially move some deadlines. You can agree on how realistic it is and how it can be put in place. And after you have defined each of the steps you have to take, try them out. Uh, Really assess how your solution worked. So although every situation will be quite different, having a method to try and solve some problems can be helpful. And I can clearly remember doing these pros and cons and rating exercise to help me decide which area of psychology I wanted to specialize in. It was quite good at helping me make sense of some feelings I was having at the time. So it ended up being um, an amazing exercise for me. But remember, it might not work for you. 
this is a suggestion. You may find that it works great. You may find that you need to adapt it to make sense to you, or you may have a completely different strategy to problem solve. And that is all fine as long as you're able to manage what you're feeling and, and you find it helpful. But what if people feel that these strategies are not working for them? Yeah, there, there might be instances where an extra hand might be useful. So what I would say to people is if they feel that their mood or anxiety, for instance, are constantly preventing them from managing day-to-day -day activities, then that's the time when an extra support might be helpful. Extra support might mean the employee assistance program at your company, your occupational health provider. It might mean an appointment with your GP. You can also use Samaritans. Um, they are available 24-7, can be accessed on the phone, and can be a great resource if you'd like to talk to someone about how you're feeling. So we will provide you in this podcast page with a list of resources that you can potentially try if you feel that having an extra support that is not family or your manager or HR, for instance, will be helpful. Well, we've talked about what we can do for ourselves and how others can help us. We mustn't forget that we can help others too. What are the signs we should be looking for in others around us that could tell us they might need our help? So when thinking about mental health, one of the biggest signs of any deterioration is change. So this might be change in mood, sleep patterns, appearance and behavior. Usually it's an ongoing change. So it's not, to give a bit of an example, it's not someone feeling a bit lower on one day and feeling quite happy on the other day. Usually these changes are ongoing, but they are uh, outside the normal or the usual pattern of behavior for that particular person. But again, remember that what we are experiencing in, in light of, of this pandemic is quite new. So some level of distress is definitely to be expected. And probably most people, even if they are feeling unwell, they might just be navigating different and totally expected feelings that they will probably be able to manage on their own. So how can you know if more support is needed and how can you help? I would say generally just talk to, to people. Lots of times we worry about our loved ones and we, we start almost like creating a whole scenario in our heads when we can just approach them and ask them. So you can just let them know that you're worried about them and be open for them to talk to you if they feel like it. And I would say the most important thing is probably to be there for them, to show that you are available. Give them space to talk, listen without judgment. Sometimes one of the things that people would raise to me in previous jobs when I was working, for instance, with families was families could not understand something that their loved one was feeling. And what I would tell them was, even if you're not able to fully understand why they are feeling in a particular way, you can probably still understand how something is making them feel. So a good example of this is you may not be able to understand why your loved one feels anxious about going to the supermarket, but probably you know what anxiety feels like. So try focusing on that. Try focusing on what this experience means for them. And then you can also tell them about some of the resources available to them should they, they not wish to talk to you. Sometimes it's easier to talk to someone you don't know. So again, the links to those resources, some of the resources we have selected will be on this podcast page on the RSSP website. So you can just link your loved one with these resources. 
Thank you, Joanna, for sharing your time and experiences with us. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We have a number of resources and information pages for COVID-19. As Joanna has said, there is information on the podcast page for this podcast. Or you can go to our website and search for COVID-19 or mental well-being. If you find any of those resources useful or can suggest others, please let us know. Email me at podcasts at rssb.co.uk. Once again, thank you for listening. Until the next one. Goodbye for now. Thank you.